Hey, everybody. Welcome to Contest Prep University. Joe Klimzeski with Adam Atkinson. We're going to chat about the future of our sport. And I know I've told this story a couple times, Adam, but what was interesting to me when I kind of predicted the death of bodybuilding and started stepping away, uh, I now realize it's more of a personal bias than anything, but I was seeing an actual death of female bodybuilding and a decline in, in even male bodybuilding. But what rescued those trends were figure in bikini and then men's physique and now men's modeling categories. You know, we, we have found a way in physique sport to be more inclusive instead of exclusive. And that was a big part of completely changing the course of the entire industry. But since then, because that's going back 15 to 20 years ago, there have been several other micro trends. One you and I were just talking about off camera, that it is now completely normalized that almost everybody, if you're going to compete, you're going to have a coach. It's just kind of a known quantity. And however, now there are almost as many coaches as there are competitors. So that that makes it a little bit strange. So all these shifts in, in uh, dynamic movements within our industry I'm seeing a couple more things that I think you're going to have more insight than I do. Uh, they're just they're, they're curiosity points with, with where we are heading. Um, all the way back, even 25 years ago, we had all these little clashes and wars between natural bodybuilding federations. Everybody kind of clamoring to see who was truly natural, who was better, who had better standards, better contests, better promoters. And... Um, I would say while that has continued about the same course, you know, still a lot of internal politics and small business mindsets, you know, just kind of dragging the industry along. Now you see the IFBB and the NPC. I think you were just at the Ben Weeder Natural Bodybuilding Classic, um, you know, doing things like that. And they have the infrastructure that that could really almost create a whole different sub federation or, or pull toward them. So I, I'm just at one of those points again, where I'm looking at the next 10 or 15 years and just pretty curious as to where we're going to end up. So just start wherever you want. I kind of threw a bunch of stuff out there, but, but what do you think are some of the biggest trends and, and where do you think maybe the entire industry is going to be in let's say 20 years? Yeah. It's interesting because I think bikini has evolved to a point like any other sport where it's saturated with amazing competitors and is intimidating to jump in as a beginning competitor. And that used to be kind of the beginning division. So I think at this point, we potentially add another category and have longer shows don't think that's going to happen but what i think what is happening is i think that the npc is going to take control over natural bodybuilding in some way shape or form um they are pushing more natural events the one here in las vegas that we just had the natural city alliance they actually polygraphed the competitors which was really, really pretty unique and uh, to my understanding, there's going to be more shows in 2024 and 2025 
So I think for right now, that's going to be the newest trend. And I'm kind of getting some hints that that is uh, happening. And I think for an organization like the NPC, with all the experience they have, they could really overtake natural bodybuilding and, uh, you know, go as far as they want with it. Uh, from a business perspective, they'll obviously have to keep pouring money into it for the right testing um, to keep everyone happy. But I do think that it can be done and done well if uh, they move forward with it. And I think that could keep the divisions exactly how they are. And now you just have natural versions of those divisions. And then you would have you know, untested versions of those divisions. And I think that could be really cool if we see that come forward. So I was talking to another, you know, big powerhouse coach in our industry yesterday, and he mentioned this. And, and it may, it's interesting because I think the IFBB NPC had shied away from this for a long time because it would draw some unnecessary scrutiny to them, which is like, hey, wait a second, we're all quote natural because this is a you know schedule one compound we we don't do that and now i think they're just kind of over that and they realize this is opportunity left on the table to your point so many people want that coveted ifbb pro card that i have seen in the last 10 years women you know their very very first contest i don't care if they're 20 years old or 50 years old they say, I want an IP pro card, you know, first, first contest season. I want it. I like, guess yeah, probably not likely, you know, there are a lot of people, seasoned competitors who've been training for this, working for it for years, but still, even if, like you said, there is a more equalized playing field for some of those natural competitors and they still have that inroad to that title. And I would even say, as has always been the case, what, what they deem as some kind of exposure whether it helps get them more followers for a business or something like that. It, it is just part of our DNA that a lot of people think if I just see my face, see my picture somewhere on a website, on a magazine cover, that's going to help me in some way. And, and they just have that kind of infrastructure, you know, at, at this level, they're getting your pictures up on the website within hours um, you know, it's just, it's, it's, it's very much a business model that is secure and, 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 you know, inwardly built with that kind of infrastructure. Some of the actual drug-free organizations are just not there yet. Uh, do, do you, have you heard, I mean, you're, you spend a little bit more time in that side of the industry. Um, is that an intentional business model that they're pursuing? Yeah, I believe that, uh, they would like to do a natural show in every state by 2025 from what I've heard. Mm -hmm. um, you, you said it's it's new for them to polygraph test. Drug-free organizations have done that for decades. Um, I, I know like NPC quote natural shows, they've, they've maybe, you know, your analysis tested the winners, class winners, maybe top three, top five. So now they're kind of taking that playbook from the natural organizations and they're going to polygraph test everybody and then do some of your analysis testing as well. Yeah, I think there's going to be probably a cutoff on how many people they do the polygraphs for. Um, you know, then PC does have some larger shows. So I think that's that's a pretty long day of polygraphs when you get 160 to 200 athletes when 
you know, something like the WNBF may only have 70 on like a really good day. Um, it, it'll definitely have to be cut down or as you progress through the rankings, let's say you're naturally, nationally qualified, maybe at that point you get a polygraph and then that gives you permission to compete at like, let's say natural nationals or um, the Ben Weeder, for instance, or something like that. So um, with time, I'm sure we'll become more evolution on how the testing works. One thing that's interesting for me is what are we going to do for the master's competitors with the pressure and sometimes the need for HRT and TRT? Um, that's going to be where that gets really dicey. And I think that's going to take some time to figure out. And uh, there may even have to be subcategories of, you know, replacement versus non-replacement what yeah. that is. <laughs> well, you bring up the great point that, you know, how far do you go in bifurcating these things? And then administratively, that gets hard to uh, to handle. But, um, you know, I know, for example, some of the WNBF organizations, affiliates overseas, they've had over 400 competitors at contests this year. The Mr. Universe, uh, INBA, uh, you know, had 400 and almost 50 competitors uh, worlds this year for WNBF. I think they were down in the 250 range. They've been as high as in the mid threes. And so with that, you're almost getting into the the, the kind of realm that you, you see the NPC Masters Nationals or Nationals where it has to be a four-day contest or four-day event, years, maybe one particular day. Um, you know, a thousand competitors showing up. That has really changed the face of the sport. Maybe it's completely natural to people now, but it's no longer necessarily a spectator event. You know, there used to be the pageantry part of the contest where you're going in and you're you're providing some kind of entertainment for an audience. Now it's pretty much, you know, here's where your class is. It's, it's get up there on stage, live judging. As soon as we get another class judge, we bring you back out for awards and your day's done. Do you feel like that is a, a more uh, attractive quality for competitors because they they just want the win. They just want that time on stage, that check mark. Um, or is it hurting in other ways where it's just now become kind of a trophy mill? Yeah, you always have to think outside of <laughs> just the show itself you you got to think about you know the posing routines as maybe being promotion for the athletes and promotion for the show um yeah with the live judging and like you're saying it's a spectator sport i mean some of these shows take literally all day and uh that's that's a lot to kind of ask people who maybe aren't in the sport to you know, sit through. And uh, if they do it once, they're maybe good for the year or the next five years on not going to another one. So I, I think that's the divide on, is it more important to make this more attractive for people to watch? And uh, I have a vision that uh, I probably don't want to put on a podcast yet to make these uh, shows more fun, but I would like to implement my ideas into bodybuilding to 
make it a event and make it more of a spectator sport again um and just make it make it so when an athlete's backstage they don't have to worry about their family having fun anymore because actually that is something that a few athletes have mentioned to me it's not that they're doing anything wrong but what can we do to make the athlete experience better by them not having to worry what's my family doing while all this is going on and I'm backstage waiting for my class for you know three four to six hours depending on if it's a national show or not it almost makes me think there's an opportunity because I I think you know and I again my own bias could make me completely wrong I do think the vast majority of even spectators who come to an event you know, they're just there for their friend or their family member, and they don't want to sit around for 18 hours and, you know, wait till the finals and so forth. So I always thought the live judging it, and when I was promoting shows, you know, we certainly did that for the expediency. And, and again, I think everybody enjoyed that, but what is missed is any of that artistry that some competitors want to display, you know, they want to be a part of, they want there to be some kind of your creative output. So I think it could almost be something separate. Um, you know, one of my clients competed uh, at one of these big events a month ago, and I think he was on stage, you know, three different days. Um, and it seems like if there are, you know, events that large with that many divisions, that maybe there is at some point at the end, an optional or some kind of you know, po not opposing demonstration, not something like that, where it's just purely entertainment. I'm not thinking like a Broadway play, but, you know, an ability to compete for something, but it is based on that, on that, you know, your ability to entertain and oppose and maybe not even part of the, the physique, you know, that the judging for classes are done, uh, for example, and this is just something totally separate, but I don't know if I don't know if that's even close to what your uh, vision is for something. Maybe you're thinking more like Hunger Games, let people kill each other on stage or something for some sport. <laughs> no, I think that's a great idea is maybe let the routines and best routine and stuff like that be judged a little bit more often and uh, maybe move those to a separate um, section of the show. Um, almost like an after party, right? Mm -hmm. Well, when you look at something like the Arnold Classic and just how much is now thrown into a week, um, you know, I I may, because of people I'm bringing into my company, you know, I, I may get back into promoting. You know, we may decide, hey, let's pick out a couple of big cities near us and, and do a contest or two again. Um, and it does make me want to revisit some of the things that can make this more fun and and appealing to to more people. Absolutely. So when, when you look at the, the sport, uh, you know, within the confines of the competitor experience, um, let's you, you already picked out bikini and said that you feel like, you know, that has turned so much into something in, entirely competitive. But I go back to even just the anthropological draw that we have. Like, let's let's take you and me back to our roots and say, what what made us want to even do this? I think there's always going to be an allure for the fact that people out there want to look their best. And whether you're looking at Marvel comic book heroes or whatever, you know, bodybuilders, physique sport competitors are always going to have that, that look. 
even in your own community, like you always know that person in your gym, like, wow, look at her, look at those legs, look at those glutes. And so that kind of gets people interested in how do I look like that? And then the next natural step is to let that be an external goal. Well, man, if I just had a contest I can shoot for, I mean, you and I live this every day with clients, you know, then it'll be more real and I'll push myself even harder. And then some people do have a little bit of a competitive element. Like they they do view it as a true sport. Like I want to win. I want to, I want to do better. That's my marker of, of progress. And then some people, as we talked about earlier, you know, feel like um, it's almost part of self-determination theory competency where it's like, well, I'm good at something. I'm being rewarded for it. I'm, I feel like I have purpose here. So there, there are so many reasons that I, I just think as long as promoters and organizations are managing it well culturally and for the internal mechanism aspect for the competitors, it's there. There will always be an opportunity here. I, I'm just thinking ahead of of what that looks like, you know, in five or ten years. With the fact that I think, you know, we've seen amazing growth. Like like when I was talking about the numbers these organizations are drawing, I would have never thought that possible twenty years ago. Yeah, it's been a really large boom. I mean, every North Americans and every national show seems to just be bigger and bigger and bigger, which is uh, really exciting for a sport. Um, but you do wonder at what point do maybe changes need to be made? Maybe national qualifications need to be tighter. And I know some people don't like that, but uh, there's always that teeter totter of, you know, what's best for everybody in the long run. So I, I do, I, I heard this, I don't know exactly the parameters, but somebody told me that WMBF for their world championships this year did intentionally try to reduce the size of the show a bit by doing just that. They, they really tightened down some of the qualifications to compete at amateurs, even, even amateur worlds. You have to have placed at least this high in a, in this large of a show and, you know, I think they had kind of maybe with a wink and a nod created some standards like that in the past. But but this year, I think, was the first time they really decided we need to make this a little bit more of a an elite coveted end of the year contest, you know, the world championships, instead of let's just try to shovel anybody who can pay an entry fee. So I, I do think that's going to be helpful. Uh, do, do you find a lot of competitors of yours uh, end up because of the size of the show and, and you know, I, I guess probably just that, the, the, the cluster of having to get through that kind of a weekend when you get to these larger shows like North Americans and Nationals, Junior Nationals, do, do you see people just get frustrated and say, yeah, this just isn't for me and they back completely away from the sport? I think there's some shows that people dodge just because how the backstage areas ran, you know, um, you know, some, sometimes it's just too fast and too quick and too militant for people. Um, and then other shows are just have a little bit calmer expediters backstage. So I do think 
sometimes individual experience can vary. Um, and you just kind of, that does require clients to have tougher skin. You know, the expediters need to be loud and they need to be doing their job to make sure people don't miss classes. So yeah, there are people yelling backstage, but they're yelling for a good reason to make sure, you know, you would be happy they yelled if you heard your number and you were about to miss your class, you know? Yeah, you know, as I think, and, and part of me wanting to discuss this is with the thought that we may get back in the promotional game. Uh, some of the technology, some of the promoters who leverage that well, where it does become an incredibly organized, seamless experience, I, I think that is going to save, you know, part of the sport. At least that that will get those kind of promoters a, a lot more uh, market share. But um you know, the, the fact that you could use a closed circuit or streaming system. And so whether you're sitting in the audience or your hotel room or backstage, you can see exactly what's going on. Um, some of the some of the promoters now are saying, OK, look, this division starts at nine. This division starts at 10. This division starts at 11 instead of everybody just show up and we'll try to run the show. Uh, you know, there are a lot of a lot of promoters are using uh, better business practices and technology to run a better event. And I think back to 25 or so years ago when actually 30 years ago, I promoted my first contest and you just didn't have that. And you were, you were still using, you know, old template models for how you're going to do a show. And with a, with a lot more creativity and revenue, I mean, I think promoters these days charging enough for entry fees and so forth, you know, you, you have the resources to do that, to, pay some expediters to have some of the some of those you know features that just make it better and and i think if if you're not a promoter not an organization who does that as your standard of practice i, I think you're, you're definitely not going to survive you know quite as well so, some of the rinky dink shows that still operate like they did decades ago you know that i think gets a little frustrating for people who have had a taste of something better yeah absolutely and I think the NPC does a really good job on standardizing, you know, the shows. I think that really goes a long way on creating a pretty consistent result for all of the athletes. But you're right, as these federations pop up that no one's heard of, it, you go there, like, it's been a while since I've been to one, but probably like in 20. 14 I went to just kind of like an off-brand organization I was like my god this was like being at my very first bodybuilding show with how it was brand it was uh really insane yeah so as a uh as a sport um again 20 25 years ago I just thought it wouldn't be here by now and it's so much bigger so much better um I, I can't make that bet a second time. I have to think that because again, that psychological social draw, people will still do it. And because of the people who are doing it well from an organizational standpoint, I think they will be rewarded for that. So I can only assume, you know, it's going to keep going and getting better. But if you could get almost futuristic and think of, you know, 20, 30 years from now, with even more tech change and so forth, do you see any big disruptive 
things happening or do you, you know, what do you, how do you see the flow of this in the next few years? Well, I think tech can help us, right? It can help us organize these things better. We could, you know, first of all, have screens backstage that actually show, you know, what's going on on stage. So then people aren't like peering out the curtain to look. Um, it would be great if the class names could be, you know, typed on there at the time. I think that uh, there's a lot of room for some really simple evolution. And uh, I think that there's enough shows that have been running in a long time that the affordability um, TVs are so much cheaper than they used to be now too, you know? So I think there's a lot of possibility for growth and uh, just making the experience more enjoyable. Like for me as a coach, I love it if I'm backstage and I can actually watch the show going on. And I've had that happen four times this year. And I'm hoping that that's a trend that I almost see at every show now. Uh, any any thoughts on different types of drug testing? Like you mentioned, a drug-free organization, for obvious reasons, they, they really do just have to disallow people even on TRT, things like that, because it would be so easy to, to cheat the half-life of testosterone being so low. Um, you know, is there any way to try to, to make things more evenly matched, uh, even when you look at the top of the IFBB where just anything goes, who cares, as long as you're alive, you know, you're, you're fine. Um, is there any need to make those changes or will things just continue as they are? I think there's, there's definitely a need to make changes, but I think, uh, the funds have to be there. The, organization has to be built up in that department and it's just like any business when you have a good business model and you continually invest in your business it's going to get better and and I, I think that investment is the drug testing because the shows are already being ran right so now you just invest a little more into the drug testing maybe some random drug tests or Maybe at one point in time, you have to have planned that you were doing a show with this federation for a year. So we can submit some random drug tests throughout the year before you do whatever competition it is that you decide to do. Um, so, you know, I definitely have a dream and that dream is going to take time, but I think it can be done and I think it can be done right. Okay. Well, I'll look forward to that. I'll have to talk to you a little bit about what uh, you've got planned and uh, we'll see if we can make something happen. But uh, thank you, Adam. And we'll see you guys next time in Contest Prep University. <laughs>